What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 57. I know it's been a couple of months. I've been taking a little time off, reassessing what to do here. And I'll get into that in a little bit, but let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our website, bodegabordercrew.com, where we have merch and a whole bunch of other stuff that you guys should be checking out, including links to videos that we're working on. Also, make sure to check out this episode description on your iTunes player for track listings and links to things that we're talking about. So yeah, it's been a couple of months that I put out an episode. A couple of reasons. One, I was sick on and off again for about a month. so my voice wasn't there. So anytime I wanted to work on something, I just couldn't. I had no voice for it, and it didn't make any sense, and I didn't want to record something that sounded bad. I also want to get into more of a reg- regular schedule. So because of that, I've stacked a bunch of interviews so that way I can release an episode every couple of weeks. And two, I've been knee-deep, or I should say I've been neck-deep, into editing Jetty Blue 100s, which is finally done. We're looking at showing it at the Noosa Surf Festival in the next week or so. Haven't figured out all the details, but stay tuned. I believe Thomas, one of the film sponsors, is going to be showing it at his shop. We just have to figure out a day for it so that everybody's around. But that's been consuming a lot of my time. You know, it's a movie that Ryan from Lograp and I have been working for two years, and it's finally done. And we just had to walk away from what we had and everything's not perfect in terms of footage, but at certain points you just have to make a call and be like, okay, that's it. This is what we have. This is what we have to play with. So I apologize for being away, but I think being away has kind of cleared my head up a little bit and given me an opportunity to figure out what the focus of the podcast is going to be. So as you could tell from the music on this episode in the background, We're going to start getting a little bit weirder, funkier, expanding our horizons a little bit. I'm going to be putting together music playlists that are more varied than just hip-hop and urban, but still speak to you guys out there and stuff you're listening to. Now, this particular episode I'm really excited about because I got to sit down with none other than Duncan Campbell of the Campbell Brothers. Bonds are fame. If you guys don't know who they are, you should really read up on them, check out their boards. They've revolutionized what surfboard design is. I've been surfing one for two years now on the North Shore and I love it. And I just ordered two more, one for here in California and one for out there. But we'll get into the history and what they've done and where it's going. Also coming up is the start of the longboard competitive season with the first WSL event in Noosa and luckily Devin Howard the commish the commissioner of the tour gave us a little soundbite about what to expect on not only this first stop but what's going on with the tour moving forward and I'm really excited to hear what he has to say you should be excited to hear what he has to say Probably by the time you're listening to this episode, the tour has started, at least the first stop. So I think this will be interesting to listen to. We also have a couple of short takes. This episode, we have a video from Blackies that has Alex Nose, Troy Elmore, and Grant Noble in it. 
We also have a video that Hudson Ritchie, our homeboy from the South Bay, did with his sponsor Rhythm. Uh, he took a trip to El Salvador. I love this video piece and I'll get more into it. And lastly, there's a clip that Wiley and the crew over at San Onofre Surf Co. put together from one magical day at church. We've been having a lot of those magical days. I'm bummed because this day that they were shooting, I decided to go to Blackies instead, which was still good, but this day at church that they shot is amazing and it's nine minutes of bangers in there. But like I said, this episode, as you can tell from the music, is a little funkier and it's mostly driven by the suggestions that Duncan made. He picked a bunch of these tracks out and I wanted to intersperse my feeling on music that I listen to that's related to or inspired by the things that he put down. So check out the tracks. Hope you guys enjoy and I'll check in with you guys in a little bit. Peace.
harbor with a hard little pistol and a lariat. She going to the bottom and she going down the drain. Said she wasn't big enough to carry it. She got to get behind the mule, yeah. In the morning and plow, Got to get behind the mule. In the morning and plow, You got to get behind the mule. Birds on the power line in the studio maker with Birdie Joe a host. 
Welcome back to the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 57. I wasn't joking that it's going to get a little different than what we normally do. I have a pretty broad music base as most of my friends do, so I don't primarily listen to urban and hip-hop, even though it's one of my first loves. And I want to get into showcasing some of the other stuff that I'm into that I think needs some shine and people also sometimes need to revisit. So a lot of these tracks are that, but let's get into some housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew podcast, volume 57. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our website, bodegabordercrew.com to pick up some merch. We have new merch popping up. Also, we have links to videos that we've worked on and trailers for Jetty Blue 100. Lastly, make sure to check out the full episode description on your iTunes player or whatever player you're listening to this episode on for track listings and links to things that we're talking about. This interview I did with Duncan Campbell took place at the house we rent on the North Shore, which was perfect because it was gorgeous out. I had just surfed a bunch of days at VLand on my bonzer with Joel and, and Tosh and those guys, and they, a bunch of them were surfing the same kind of boards. So I really got to understand how these things work in really good critical waves. And Duncan just goes into the history and what they're all about. So I hope you guys enjoyed the interview, and I'll see you in a little bit. Do you are you the one who do, does the podcast, or does your brother do the podcast? Uh, Jacob does all the all the podcasts, and his brother Ian they do that podcast of music, and it's just no. I listen to it all the time. Well, those kids are. It's so good, and it's so eclectic. It's actually really good. Yeah, Jacob's a musicologist. He's really good, and Ian, they're both really good. They grew up around so much great music with my brother and then also me. me but uh, but he does, does guest DJing up in Cambria with his, with our good friend Robert, whose tag name is Dr. Robert. He has a, a, a radio show at, at K Otter. So Jacob, when he was in California, goes up and does a dueling uh, oh that's know, pretty cool tables up there but he really knows what he's doing and the music is is it's it's a serious podcast it's seriously good no it's real and it's very intellectual music that's yeah. what i like about it yeah. like i tell i tell actually on my podcast i tell a lot of people to check it out yeah. i'm like hey you got to check it out this week yeah it's really good yeah he's he's good it's a lot of work too uh, no yeah, well believe know. me yeah it's i mean me it's like i mix how my podcast is it's like i interview you guys and then I mix 15 to 20 songs, and I have to do it thematically. Right. And then I try to like find stuff on the internet that I think people are interested in. Yeah. Um, so when did you move out to here to Hawaii? We moved here in late '81. Uh huh. And what was the, what was the reasoning behind it? Like, like why did you come out? I mean, I re- <laughs> why not? Uh, well, why not? Well, it was it was started as a vacation. My wife and I have been um, living on. Her fam, her family farm uh-huh. had been passed down from her grandfather to her mother, and then at, at, at a certain age she inherited. Was that up in Oxnard? Kansas. Oh, Kansas. Oh, Eastern Kansas. Okay. <laughs> so a thousand acres, mm-hmm. a working farm. So we moved there. Okay. Um, Seventy nine. Okay. And we started uh, re resettling the farm, kind of uh-huh. bringing the getting the house back up to specs and working with local farmers um, on leasing out land and then structuring the, the fence lines with the right um, 
posted no hunting to okay. keep everybody off the property for hunting the coyotes and uh, oh and all the all the you know all the wildlife that's that, a lot of work yeah we wanted to you know we you know coming from the you know coming from the uh, i'm 64 so huh. you know on the fringe of, of the hippie yeah. kind of uh at least a little bit of the 60s hippies uh -huh. but 70s hippies for sure yeah but um but really thinking in terms of uh of ecology um land use you know what and also who who actually owns the land which right have been the osawatomi indians who had who was the osamati osawatomi tribe uh -huh. so we wanted to just get it grounded you know back to a direction where you know the right the right vibes were there and wow. then we were setting up um kind of a learning center we our idea was to do a learning center where people could come and we could we could have seminars and bring in oh, wow. know, music and bring in you know lectures and, mm -hmm. and um, but, but Eastern yeah. Kansas and a California boy was uh, <laughs> rude awakening the first winter so oh yeah <laughs> she grew up there it was the farm that she was born mm -hmm. in. She was so she knew there. it this was like like nothing to her well she thought it might be something to revisit you know like oh. this could be something really good for her but yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> so we uh, got it all organized uh -huh. and turned it over to good hands. And then we um, came back to California to a short time. And then I had a job, a quick job offer over here to do some construction. Okay. Which I was in the trades as well as building boards back then. And so we, she'd never been to Hawaii, my wife Jackie and Megan was, was, was born uh, right after the farm Nawal had already been um, she was living at the farm as, mm -hmm. as, as a toddler so Megan was born in California so um, we had been coming my brother and I in the 70s of right. course and certainly so we knew connections here and, mm -hmm. and um, so when we came we uh, had a job working in town mm -hmm. construction and we stayed with a, a good friend of ours Nick Banuska and his young daughter, which of which uh, which turned into my restaurant partner. So it was oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So wow. we were staying here for a month, uh -huh. and Nick and I were just brainstorming. Jackie said, "Just go home and get the furniture because she's not going." <laughs> yeah. See, once you it come was here, right here, it was right down the next street over. Oh, was over. it? Yeah. Just oh. one street over. Oh, okay. And yeah, that beach right there, yeah. and the kids can mm -hmm. play right there, and and you walk down the path. Backyards and, is yeah, the best. And, I love and that. Uh, she just said, "Go home and get the furniture." Mm -hmm. And the house right over there, uh -huh. we rented it um, for um, it's a three-bedroom, you know, mm -hmm. typical little beach house like these houses are. Mm -hmm. Before a lot of them were remodeled, mm -hmm. it was three hundred a month. Whoa! So you're looking at rent that was way cheaper than California. Yeah. And um, so it was actually cheaper to live. Uh, yeah, in paradise. Sunset Beach in yeah. paradise than yeah. it was in California <laughs> in Oxnard. Yeah. So um, you know, long story short, you know, we kind of my Nick and I put our heads together and kind of figured out how we would, you know, what we would do. There's a couple different ideas. Mm -hmm. He had the Kodak film drop-off concession at Cammy's Market. That's what that used to be over here. Yeah. Yeah. So all the photographers would drop their film off, 
and Nick would get them processed and we'd come back. So he thought maybe we'd expand the photography side of things. Mm. Luckily, we didn't expand yeah. the photography. My dad was a fresh professional photographer, and he, you know, and he he said, boys, it, you know, it just warned us back in the 70s. Yeah. It, it ain't going to stay like this. Yeah. He goes, I don't know what it's going to be like, guys, but it ain't going to be what it is. And that never crossed my mind, you know, when we were here thinking about the Kodak. Right. Because all the photographers, everything was Kodakron, you know, mm -hmm. you know, 64 and all the different films, the Fuji film and stuff. So we didn't think it was, but it would have been a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of, for sure. Of course. Yeah, so, yeah. So the next was, well, let's do a, let's do a, a Mexican food cart and, uh -huh. uh, you know, do that. And then one thing led to another, we, we knew this, the lady, who, uh -huh. A little Simon restaurant where we are right now, on the very on the, on the on the other side of the building where we originally we are now, the main dining room. But now we've got the whole building. Yeah. But she was gonna, she was just gonna retire. She's done. She was done. She'd been there for 20 years. Three and a half acre property. The landlords were living in the back. They had already had done something back in the early early days of. So it always was a little restaurant. She decided she wanted to get How you know, quiet it was it back then? It was like, quiet. It yeah. was quiet. It was, uh, but but there's no breakfast places and California style diners were unheard of. And the romanticizing of surf diners and just driving up and down the coast, mm -hmm. whether it was the East Coast or West Coast, yeah. you're still looking for diners. You go check the surf, you go mm -hmm. get some meat, you go surf and finish, come back. So that was kind of the idea of just doing a surf diner. Yeah. And um, and uh, I never worked in a restaurant in my life and did nothing about it. Of course, Jackie <laughs> had been a waitress back in the day. So we just kind of chiseled away at it and kind of found a way to to find a market. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was no. No business. Yeah, yeah. But when your rent's three hundred dollars a month, at the restaurant was three hundred bucks a month. As well. And the house was three hundred dollars a month. You're not into and deep you, at the and hole. you got yeah. a meter car, and and you know, yeah. uh, utilities are next, and there's no cable. There's mm -hmm. you're looking at it. everything was cheap, so it wasn't like a huge lifestyle chunk of money. Mm -hmm. So we we got through it day to day. We okay. just had to had to kind of. Chisel our way through the <clears throat> through the weeks and months and then years and to where something got established here in terms of the surf surfing industry, mm -hmm. which decided to expand all their profile on the North Shore, which yeah. then brought in a different level of of intensity of, of, of visiting and customers, coming and yeah. customers and interest in the North Shore. So, you know, it's thirty. Next, this January January will be our 39th season. Whoa, that's crazy. So when did, so you got, you have the cafe. When did um, the board, the bonzers come back in effect after that? Like when was there, what was the first resurgence you saw out here? Well, you know, it is, the correlation is with the restaurant for sure, because Malcolm had already moved up uh, to Point Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved here. He actually was in Australia, in Western Australia, doing some boards over there with a good friend of our Robert 
who does the radio show in Cambria, they all moved to Western Australia. Okay. And they were setting up shop over there. Uh-huh. I was here, and then, no, you know, I, I believe the sequence of events could be plus or minus, you know, a year or two, but, um, but Malcolm's wife had become pregnant with Jacob and Ian, the, the twins. The twins. Okay. So they came back to California and then moved up to when the kids were born, and then they moved up to Point Arena. Okay. And Malcolm started a board business up there. Mm-hmm. I'm real underground, I and mean, that's as underground as you can get yeah, up, yeah. up there. So the boards, you know, were already um, in, had gone through the phase of Bing, which was a big giant push. Mm-hmm. And then Bing had dropped off by 74, 75. We left GNS in 75. Then we started our own Bollinger vehicles. And that had a little bit of a push. We had a lot of magazine coverage, tons of it. Mm -hmm. Feynman were all still living there, getting tons of magazines. So there was some push there and the boards were very visible Mm -hmm. in the magazines. And then, um, boy, you know, when uh, and that guy named uh, Simon Anderson yeah. <laughs> decided to put three pins on a surfboard. Yeah. Changed the direction of interest mm-hmm. uh, in bonders. Primarily, I think, just because surfing was growing at a certain pace. It was a perfect time for Simon. Yeah. One back-to-back-to-back contest. Surf media was, um, was on it. Yeah. Surfing was growing. So the divergence... Uh, from the bonds are already being almost tw- being 12 years old, basically, yeah. because we started them in 19, the boards in 1970. Yeah. So, 12 years is a long time in surfing. It's it's especially that period. A yeah, lot yeah, of things progressed really yeah. fast. So, so Malcolm moved uh-huh. up there to live a, a, a real quiet life and just build boards. You know, small small batches of boards. Mm-hmm. But when I was here and got the restaurant going by 84 you know we were pretty established here mm-hmm. and um i could start a propaganda um you know <laughs> campaign yeah where you know boards are on the wall did memorabilia on the wall photographs mm-hmm. on the wall plus i had boards i could share with mm-hmm. all the pro guys i started to you know become roger friends with shane ran and and Barton Lynch and John Boyd Gomes, and because I was surfing with all the with all those mm-hmm. guys out here, so I being in the water with my bonsers, and nobody had bond, nobody had three pins. I mean, Simon, yeah. you know, they didn't really get established on the North Shore really until '84. Right. Uh, thrusters were still were still looked at as kind of uh, we don't know if they'll work. Like sunset. Yeah. We don't know about it. even though Simon won at Pipeline. And surfing is funny when somebody who's really talented wins on something different. Yeah. They say, well, they can surf anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it does. It doesn't necessarily do you any yeah, good yeah, yeah. to get your board under the feet of a Kelly Slater and he wins. And yeah. Like, so what? Yeah. You can win on anything. Right. So with Simon, it took a little bit of proving ground of people yeah. making them here and people getting out in the water and riding them. I was already riding. Who was it that won? Didn't they win the contest at Sunset, or they did really well at the Sunset? Well, back in 73, yeah. Ian Cairns won the Smirnoff on a Bonzer. Yeah. So, so Bonzers had been here in the 70s and, and, and doing really well. Mm-hmm. PT and Ian Cairns. And, 
and Hackman and a lot of, but you know, the decade, you know, a decade, if you started surfing at 10 and then all of a sudden it's 10 years later, you're 20, you yeah. know, all those, the first 10 years, you don't even know. Existed. Right, right. Yeah. So when you go through a decade of surfing, you mm -hmm. go through a ton of, of stuff. Yeah. So by Simon's introduction of the thruster, put, uh, put three fins on the map, which is really good for us. Yeah. I mean, really good because seven, the, you know, with the, um, you know, free ride generation of surfers, mm -hmm. single fins were really refined and they were really good. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to say you could surf better than those guys yeah. on those single fins. And they were, the V's were really well done. The fins were the right, mm -hmm. you know, and at least our opinion, the V's were good. The fin, center fin template was really good. You know, Reno had had gone through his three fin cycle early on, but he had refined the single fins. Mark Richards was, all those things were happening. The boards were fantastic, but um, three fins are just better. Yeah. A better surfboard. Well, for, yeah. yeah. For, I mean, if you look at it in comparison, everybody's writing everything now mm -hmm. and shaping's gotten better and construction's gotten better. And, but when you look at that, when you're chasing, when you're chasing performance and you're going to put you know a single fin up against a, a, a properly made thruster you know bonders on another evolutionary track but but once they figured the fin positions yeah. and got the v's proper mm -hmm. back in you could probably look at it i i i don't i think it's true that once the thruster got its roots in professional serving, which was the assignment. Mm -hmm. There was never another major win in a contest or world champion ever, honestly. Yeah. So that was it. That was like, that was it. And yeah. it was a major shift. It's like, you couldn't win after ni 1968. You could argue Hemmings against Nat and Midget Fairley and those guys riding shorter boards and on that cusp of the shortboard revolution, mm -hmm. but a longboard still won. Yeah. Nineteen seventy a longboard could not have won. No. That contest. No. Not even close. Yeah. So that's kind of the same thing. So for us we were stoked. Well yeah. three fins yeah, okay, we're vindicated in terms of fin yeah placement because the thruster fins are placed mm -hmm. where bonzer fins are placed different fin volume. I mean, it's a different fins, fin shape, but same fin volume, by the way, which is interesting. Oh, if you really? Measure, if you measure the fin Really? Volume. Yeah. So, and the, the toe in and the, and the distance off the rail. And the single to double, I mean. And the single to double was something that's exclusively ours, single to double that, that you know, people can argue the three fin argument, well, McTavish and Brewer and Reno and all that stuff in the 1970s, 71. Mm -hmm. And the Simon thing's not, not an argument. We, you know, Simon didn't invent the three fin. He definitely put together a, a three fin surfboard that neutral, they gave a neutral feel that was very consistent. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was such a shock to everybody's system because most of the guys riding them were in the, their 20s. Yeah. And uh, the best surfers were in their late 20s. But if, if, if the Bonzer is 12 years old and you're 20, you're eight years old. Yeah. So it, it was yeah, just, yeah, a, yeah. you know, it, it is a timeline that's yeah. very, but once 
Once, once Simon got that rooted in and the three pin was, so we had another, we had a... a so it helped you more than hurt you. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. The, it wasn't a, a competition mm -hmm. on, on, on any of it, but because we still always will believe and believe then and believe now that the efficiency and the way the bonds are a, complete, a, a correctly made bonds are with the right contours and everything else is, is as good or better than than what the what the contemporary performance boards are now. Mm -hmm. But that's neither here nor there the, at this point because thrusters have adopted mm -hmm. the yeah which they weren't in the eighties. The V's were dropped. Yeah, double concaves, single to double concave with V is pretty standard. Yeah, there are some specialized thrusters, but pretty standard. Yeah, that's that's and, and that's really what we believe is, has changed the performance level of the boards, along with all the computing and narrowing down and of the crunching the numbers and stuff. But it is that three fin combination, single double concave with V, mm -hmm. is 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 the Rosetta Stone. Mm -hmm. We just think that Bonja three fin and five fin has has better rail to rail and these other kind of attributes we think that would benefit surfing style mm -hmm. and stuff out and give people a little more uh, range in their styles because thrusters do dictate a particular style. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I love about, like, you know, I have a, the three fin one, and the thing that I love is, like, you can't help but have a good style when you do a turn on it. Like, it's just. It just feels so good. Like I was telling Nolan today, like I was like, like I caught a couple and like just like nice big turns at V-Line and I was like, there's no board I've ever felt that like, it just, well, like, that's so Yeah, good. I mean, we, we find with, recently Michael Fairbairn's been writing, Mikey's been writing um, one of my boards. Um, which is, which one? It's is the it? magenta board with a kind of clear bottom. So is that a five or a three? It's a three thin that, is from 1976. Oh, the last board I shared. Oh, and I gave it him to ride. And that's the one that's in that video. Yeah, yeah. And that board's from 1976. Whoa, it's the last board I shared. Okay. And so, he had the conversations with him about it is that same thing. You, you start losing this, the conscious of I got to do this to do that. I got to go from here to there. Uh huh. And you lose that. The Bonzer has this uncanny way of just helping you just be in the moment uh -huh. with your yeah, yeah. turning, and your speed is going to be there, and you have this confidence. And at that point, you can focus on the dance, uh -huh. your style, rather than the, the application of how do I get my leverage on my shoulders this way? Do I follow my yeah. arm? Do I open my hips? All of these mechanical things that have happened. Uh -huh. In surfing, and that's what I believe. A lot of the surfing looks the same, uh -huh. uh, in, at least in the pro ranks. Yeah, I mean, small nuances, but because of the mechanics. Of, that's true. No, I never, yeah, th I never yeah, look yeah. at it that way. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It's, I, I mean, I just like I like you like I told my wife about. It. I was like, on this board, like you can't help but have style. Like it just like all those things get taken away that you're worried about that you could just like. Well, that's, you know, that's, when you listen, I mean, we get esoteric and pretty pretty out there with with analogies, you mm -hmm. know, with our boards, but it's not unlike when you listen to musicians talk about 
their instruments, mm -hmm. and they can pick up certain. They pick up all manner of different instruments, guitars that are made, constructed of certain materials, mm -hmm. and some just they don't have to think. Like a pre-CVS Fender. Right. Right. Or or the Rickenbacker. You know those guitars. They just say it, you just pick it up and mm -hmm. and you don't have to think mm -hmm. about struggling with this or that. Yeah, you just go through. So we look at it that way, and you know, surfing is so subjective, mm -hmm. and, and uh, the style of surfing is so subjective. So I'm not by any means uh, marginalizing, you know, boards yeah, against yeah. boards, but our our. Our mission, you know, in terms of developing, you know, the Bonzer really was that idea of seeing that 1970s shift of Wayne Lynch and that young, and mm -hmm. then 71, you've got Morning of the Earth, and you've got all this kind of stuff going on with the shortboards. But also, Lopez and Roy mm -hmm. Russell and BK and those guys wearing very extreme equipment over here, yeah, very effectively. But that equipment didn't translate in California, and the equipment, Australian equipment, didn't translate over here. So, all the design uh, struggles of how do you get, how do you get, you know, a, a common ground mm -hmm. was uh, was our idea, mm -hmm. and so and our fins and templates and button contours and things like that and. You know, we we would make outrageous statements like, "Well, you can put three pins before signing up for three pins on." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can put three pins on anything, uh -huh. any board. Yeah, and it's going to work better. Yeah, now it's just a matter of tuning the, it and the, making it work. Yeah. yeah, and refine it, and make it work the best it can be. Yeah, but um, yeah, once Simon got the three pins on a board, they just worked better, and mm -hmm. that was just a fact. So we're going, yeah. So from there we. We just kept we kept uh, our nose in in the uh, in the mix primarily because I was here. Mm -hmm. I mean, Malcolm did all the work shaping. Yeah. But if Barton's taken my board out of pipe, or Johnny Boy's got it at pipe, and Richard Schmidt and and Bobby Owens and Mark Boone, those guys are running boards at Sunset, and Davey Miller, of course, is running everywhere. The boards were very visible. Yeah. the best service in the world were riding yeah. the boards. So the interest kept, kept, it was there. They could come to the restaurant, I could say, you want boards, go up to my house, and send it right down the street, yeah. right there. And I'd say, I got boards on the lawn. And I would keep five boards. Uh -huh. Every morning I would get up, put five boards on the lawn. That, of course, go to work. Yeah. But the boys came in, and the girls came in who, after surfing, and were interested. And trying when I could just go up to my house group grab it off the lawn. Yeah. And they would grab the board. So that's like such a good opportunity to go surfing. So that kept it uh -huh. that kept it interesting. There was there's a couple watershed moments, nineteen ninety nine, which you can jump. It seems just insane how much time ago. By nineteen ninety nine there was a journalist who was poking around looking to do a story on us. Uh -huh. We had known him back in Oxford. Uh, he was a freelance journalist, Mark Gray. And Surfer had him, he said he was doing a story for Surfer. And um, so, you know, we, I, you know, I did some interviewing and you know, he knew about us and 
And it just, the story wasn't shaping up really quite right. And um, he was kind of struggling with some stuff. So I called Desmond, who mm -hmm. had done yeah, the yeah. first article on us in, in, surf, in Surfer back in 73. Yeah. yeah, that was so the Steve, one. So yeah. Steve knew us. And I said, is there, you have a sanctioned journalist here doing, a, doing an article on, on us on the Bonter? And he, he wasn't quite sure. He, well, he was the publisher, not, not editorial. Yeah. But uh, he said, why? Is there something happening? Like, oh, yeah, there's something happening. Yeah. So I put on my my hat, my, you know, promo hat. Yeah. And got their design editor assigned to doing this. Oh, better, yeah. yeah. So George Rebellion uh -huh. did, did a story called bonds are back to the future yeah so we had Elkerton had been riding the boards and we had all this stuff going on but nobody knew about it yeah you know it's an Elkerton and all these guys were riding the boards because I've been working with Pat Rossi mm -hmm. so that was published and had pictures of Elkerton riding thruster bonzers not oh so we had made out we had made them thruster bonzers with Pat so they are double single double time uh -huh. thruster bonzers with a V Oh, so um, you know Brad Gerlach and those guys were all kind of writing in the eighties. So nineteen ninety nine was was a point where it got back in the magazines and there was some interest, and then that kind of kept things kind of warm. You mm -hmm. know, uh, Art Brewer did the photos for it, so it oh was, right, yeah. so Art got some good shots of out from the pipeline house, and then Nick Carroll. Did an article for Trad, did a cover story for Tracks at, at the house over here. So we did a Tracks article, you know, and um, Nick tracing the history and saying, you know, if you think this guy Duncan is laying down some heavy raps about Thruster, well, you know, yeah. he's, he, he's entitled. Yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you guys have done it, yeah. So. And then the, the biggest, biggest watershed happened in 2001 when the Moyes, who grew up with yeah. us in, in Oxnard and Ventura, and Joel Tudor and our whole gang kind of got to brainstorm and said, let's let's get Bonjus to take up the shelter movie. Yeah. So, because they wanted to do a follow-up to Thicker Than Water yeah. and then do it, uh, homage to Morning of the Earth. Mm -hmm. So. We put together boards, the green boards, the shelter boards for that, and at that point, it it there was no turning yeah. back because then Circuit Journal got involved and they did a they did a, another major mm -hmm. twenty-two page story, and then it just it just kept going. But you're looking at two thousand; that's still nineteen years, almost twenty years ago. So you're looking at another, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like another another twenty years of how do you stay relevant? Yeah, so. Our story is more about, about. It's a very interesting story about how you stay relevant for 50, yeah, you, for, for fifty years. Because you guys have, like, that's yeah. the beauty of it. It's like if there's been these like like moments, but it, overall, it's been a steady climb. Like, you know, I know if the last five years, for instance, like any time they come into Mullis, yeah. they're gone. Yeah. They do not last long there. They're like, or any like daydream, like when they come in. Oh, you better pick them up. So we, you know, so we really were fighting for the performance pro uh, 
type of surfboard to, to prove ourselves that the design has better mm -hmm. better qualities than a thruster and a pro surfer could actually stand out mm -hmm. or they, the maneuvers could be there and the style could set themselves apart all these these really uh, you know they're pretty pretty uh, you know poetic ideas and uh, but really what happened was um, the original Bonzer was, was discovered by uh, the new movement of young surfers who were looking for alternative equipment. Mm -hmm. And that whole movement of alternative equipment started happening because they reverse engineering from the young kids going to long boards and going mm -hmm. along with the Alexanosis and the, before that the Joel Tudors and those guys, the, um, Tyler Warren, those guys re re reverse engineering these nostalgia yeah. into the 70s nostalgia. And then we're going Eureka. Yeah. Because if you put a 70s style board against a 70s style Bonzer, there's no performance uh, comparison. Yeah. There's all kinds of things you can do mm -hmm. on a 70s style single pin and feel, you know, very, very, uh, you know, very stylish and stuff. And aside from the, the greats, you know, the, the Ryan Birches and, yeah. and those kind of guys who can beyond, beyond. Yeah. But the average guy and the good surfer would still struggle on single fin because single fins inherently have a problem. That's why thrusters took over. Mm -hmm. That's why you couldn't win on a single fin. Yeah, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So when once that happened, yeah. And they could, they, Alex was riding single fins mm -hmm. that he was developing his whole, you know, um, style and what he wanted to do. And once he got on the Michael February, the one that Mike that, was riding was when Alex first rode over here. Oh, is it? Yeah. How long, when was that? That was 10 years ago. I would say, because he's been making that, like, maybe, yeah, like 10 years ago, he got yeah. on that. Yeah. And he was no looking back. So. That's all, I mean, that's all he's been serving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Serving and, here. and, you know, so that's what's done it for the mollusks and for all the different dealers we have mm -hmm. is that the, al the alternative style of mm -hmm. surfboards have become, you know, really, really uh, the vanguard of what's going on. And people can write anything and there's no combination. You, you, you don't get like looked at. No, not anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it was rough. It was rough there yeah. for kids had to ride thrusters. There's nothing else being made. There were there was nothing. You'd be, you'd be a longboarder or even a shortboarder. How are you going to get mm -hmm. uh, a well-made, you know, non-thruster shortboard? Nobody was making it because it yeah. just wasn't part of the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. So, living through all that and all the crazy stuff that went on to get it to the point where the breakout would have been more sheltered than this this surface journal, and then Malcolm getting invited to England to go shape. Um, Guy when Guy and Warden, ex pro surfer and, and entrepreneur in England in Cornwall by the Malcolm over the shape. And once you started shaping in, in England and Europe, then you had the French in, in, in Portugal. Yeah. And because they were all always in a more romantic mm -hmm. side of surfing. Yeah. And there was always that. And we had a much bigger following there than we ever knew. Didn't know. You know uh -huh. that kind of we had a real following as personality. Mm -hmm. 
as a designer, but they couldn't get their hands on the board. Yeah. So that got that opened up, and the last the last piece of the puzzle was Australia to invite us down, which is basically the the homeland for our whole mm-hmm. thinking about surfboards. Yeah, and surfboard mm-hmm. design in Australia. For us, it was just yeah. Australia from the yeah. beginning. So the last piece was Australia and one Lionel laminating uh-huh. finally took on the whole project, but there was um, some stuff going on with, with Luke Short up in up in uh, up in Byron uh, Bay area, and even even up, up um, Gold Coast a little bit. Mm-hmm. We spent lots of time with Richard Harvey, you know, but he he was already. Richard was Richard Harvey. He's gonna make his boards. And yeah, there wasn't any. We were just deep, good friends and surfing mates. But and he was. We learned how to shape mm-hmm. from Richard in a lot of respects when he lived in California. Okay. So, but once it rooted itself in um, with Juan uh-huh. at at Rhino Lemonade, forget it. That's forget it. it. Yeah. Now with access was everywhere, and you could get the boards, and it really was. It is just about access because if you love them or hate them, you know, it, you got to try them. Yeah. And, and if you can't try them, you can't. You, you, You're not going to just jump in like, yeah, like willy nilly about it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's been a, a very, very uh, radical, you know, um, journey, not unlike, you know, a singer songwriter just, mm-hmm. just doing what they're doing and, and having peaks. In certain certain markets and dropping off and disappearing and coming back in because another younger group. But with us, we always kept, you know, our our spiritual and metaphysical, um, you know, ideas mm-hmm. an integral part of the design. Our our science, some calls it pseudoscience. They've been accused of being pseudoscience, but but Mr. Fuller. And a lot of the, uh, the, the, you know, the visionaries you know, that we modeled our designs after, and then music. You know, music stayed a central part of our development of the boards through all phases right. of, of style of, of music and being the inspiration that that we used through through the musicians that were going through their struggles. Mm-hmm. And the lack of, of interest, but still the incredible influence that, let's say, King Crimson just has 50 years now mm-hmm. there. But you think about, I mean, never go record, never any airtime. But still doing it. But and the most influential band maybe yeah. in, in, could be in history as when history gets written. Yeah. Um, and everybody. Involved with that band and Brian Eno and David Bowie and mm-hmm. Reed with all of this music stuff, we kept all that stuff right there with us, mm-hmm. and that that just that's that's part of the that's just part of our, our whole uh, complete idea of, uh, of service to creativity is keeping it moving through more than one space, mm-hmm. multiple spaces, and multiple time timelines. You know, Bonjour is a space and time that just exists and all these other things moving in and out mm-hmm. of it. So, um, 
Yeah, I would say like when I when I when I see your boards, like I can't help but like grab like if I go into surf shop and they're on a rack and stuff, I just cannot help but gravitate towards it. Like your boards feel like they have like a soul to them. I I know that sounds like a little like. Well, I I think it's true. I like mean, it comes yeah. out like you could it, they they just there's a feeling coming from them, and I think it's such a positive feeling as well when you're in the water, when you're in on one, and when you catch a wave on one, and it's like the whole thing just like. It doesn't feel like anything I've ever felt. Like I've ridden hulls and like tons of single fins and all different kinds of boards, and I'm like, nothing feels. Like well, that's it. always been our, you know, our our mission. You know, is to keep refining and but you know infuse you infuse again. It's it's hyperbolic, but infuse the sacred into into everything. Mm -hmm. and we, everything we do, we have to. Infuse the sacred, whether it's surf or building or music or building a brick wall. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, anything is sacred. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be some some icon. Mm -hmm. Some it doesn't be iconography. It, it you just got to put the sacred into it. Mm -hmm. And um, and you know, Malcolm's treated it that way as as a meditation and as a sacred act of. Surfing being the gift that it is, yeah, for all of us. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, uh, it's free. Mm -hmm. It's we have the ocean mm -hmm. is always transmitting, you know, is um, sending its 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 energy waves. It, the communication with the ocean is a sacred act. Well, mm -hmm. all, all cultures mm -hmm. uh, speak of that. So, you know, we looked at it that way from very young, very very young. Had that feeling that there is a uh, there's a um, there there's this this thing you know, the other that surfing is giving us unconditionally mm -hmm. and at that point you have to identify it and to transmute it into whatever you're doing whether you just become a better person on land because you surf mm -hmm. and the ocean is teaching you those things. Or you recycle it into the craft that you're that you're making, mm -hmm. and so that craft is going to give that energy back because it's 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 not an inanimate object. Mm -hmm. Everything is passing through it, the neutrinos on the energy of the wave, and everything's yeah. going through, and that's where you can start getting into some of these different uh, these different um, instruction. Uh, Ideas. Of, mm -hmm. of, I again back to musicians. There's all kinds of of new materials yeah. that are being used for guitars. But when they pick up one of the, the one of the guitars from the era that created the whole the whole energy and vibe and and, 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 the, and the chord structures and all the sound. It seems to come from materials that mm -hmm. are, are, are going to be always there and always have that energy. Other ones have different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the original is original. So there is some, I mean, you can get into all kinds of philosophical ideas about it, but foam and fiberglass is the original stepping off point where surfboards became something. Yeah way different than what they were mm -hmm. and foam and fiberglass is still being used and the way energy passes through it and 
the way it retains energy, and at a certain point, it loses mm -hmm. its energy. Mm -hmm. And it's, you can feel a board that's gone. Yeah, that's done. That's gone. So, those type of things, uh, you know, are, are, are it's, 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 it's an unspoken kind of thing, but it's there, and we, we don't make boards with different materials, although we work with Patagonia and they do their extruded foam and their epoxies. Right. But we don't, we're not pushing this new technology. Yeah, yeah. You know, foam and fiberglass, it's just, it's a Stradivarius of, yeah, yeah. of, of materials for feeling. And and um, then I had people bugging me about the carbon footprint. And I said, well, if a bonds are, if you, you know, I would if say, you keep well, it your if, whole life, there's no carbon footprint. As I'm saying, I yeah. mean, I always say, if your average quiver of other surfboards designs is five, yeah, you get two bonzers. and it takes care. And it takes that means you're minus three on yeah. the carbon footprint. Yeah, and it's not a nervous habit where you've got to get the next one because we're not marketing uh -huh. another year's design. We're not marketing a new technology. Yeah. We're not saying you must buy this one or yeah. this. Pro ride this one, or we need to do volume, yeah. which is the carbon footprint. We don't have volume, yeah. and if you have your quivers not five boards but two boards, mm -hmm. then we're plus three. Yeah, so you've, you've actually gained, gained, yeah, yeah, you've you're actually gaining, yeah. you're gaining, even though yeah. the energy that's used to make them is fossil fuels and all those things. But, but, but everything is at the end everything of the day. Everything is in it, yeah. so you're not going to get in your car with your non-fossil fuel surfboard and drive down the street in your car with rubber tires unless you have a hovercraft well, that's like, all solar <laughs> or solar electric and then where's the electric come from it comes from a power and who made the battery it gets very yeah, it gets very, <laughs> yeah. so it's about consumption yeah and that's we've kind of jumped the shark here but it's about consumption too our mm -hmm. philosophy really is about if you need one board and you keep it for three years and it's done you well then you've saved a lot mm -hmm. Well, it's like product designers, like a lot of product and furniture designers, like especially like the Eames mid-century, like that was their thing, right? Like you look at the Eames, like their idea was like, yeah, this might be more money, but you're not going to buy another chair for 40 years. So and Right, then, and they, and you know, and for us to be competitive in the market, our boards always had to be cheaper, and there was art, they, they have been cheaper. Mm -hmm. And um, so you got to fight that, you got to fight that um, yeah. fight, but... You know, we knew a long time ago that both of us could not do this mm -hmm. as a surfboard to make a living because we're eventually going to get married, we're eventually going to have children, yeah. and there's not going to be there's not going to be money for two yeah. unless we start making all kinds of different surfboards and try to market our name. Yeah, and uh, and we it's all about the bonds, are not about us. Right. So it was. It was pretty clear. I was not a good shaper, and Malcolm was a really good shaper. <laughs> so it wasn't going to be me. Yeah, and I, was, <laughs> this is I was a lot less disciplined. Yeah, for sure. Uh -huh. I got married first. I had kids first. The whole thing was diverging. Yeah. Anyways, and uh, and then once Malcolm took the 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 job with Al America at yeah. CI in '84 yeah. to be a production shaper. He did that for 20 something years. Got it. Yeah, and then made bonders on the side, but he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all those thrusters, all that stuff. Yeah, and just did his work. Yeah, and uh, produced a paycheck. Yeah, so he could produce his 
and sense his art and not be pressured to have to market it in such a way that you had to do something to get people that destroyed your art yeah yeah and at a certain point he could he did you know we knew al was going to retire and yeah. john was going to change and go to burton yeah it was an easy step yeah just to step off yeah and his overhead wasn't huge um yeah, they have a family home that's passed down. So uh, he, you know, the boys were the boys were there to help. Yeah, learn how to shape and uh, go off to college, art school, and all the stuff they did, mm -hmm. and come back and help. So and there was now he's too busy. Now it's like he's making two. Yeah, he's yeah. too busy. And Jacob shapes yeah. really well over here, and he and his brother does all the tech stuff and mm -hmm. the website and, and marketing. Um, online stuff, um, you know, works with the brand building on that end. So he's got a good team. Yeah, and I'm just uh, back cooking full time at the restaurant, <laughs> which is great. You're making hat. potatoes and cooking eggs, and and my daughter Megan, who runs the restaurant, but then now she's cooking with me, so we're cooking together. That's and, nice. Uh, and it's it's just. Um, it's it's just a working class situation. No, no, but it's great. I mean, the spot is awesome. Like the event the other night was really cool. Like we went down to it, which was like awesome. Um, one last question I have to ask. Sure. If you would say, if someone wants to enter the world of like riding bonzers, which one do you think they should get into, and why? Well, the, you know that it is everybody has a different orientation with their surfing, so. Um, you know, for instance, you said you wanted to step down from a longboard. Yeah. So that w your board now is would have been would have been an obvious, you know, a, a bigger egg. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that was a step down, but had, but um, but still, you felt a little more in the tail and the speed. But when we tell when somebody comes to us who's already been surfing for. I, I, you know, five, these years the learning curve is really fast. Yeah. So if somebody been surfing for five years, they, they they pretty much have a surfboard they've been riding. Yeah. Style of surfboard. Yeah. And if they want a bonzer, and they're not trying to say, I want to ride something different. I still want my my standard thruster performance board. I want to ride something different. Right. We I still discourage them from thinking the bonzer is something different. We, uh, we just say whatever you're writing now, we just make it a bonzer. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's it. That's simple. Yeah. And then at that point, they can compare. If it works, oh, it's better. like apples to apples. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I mean, true. If it doesn't that's work better. True. Then work better. Yeah. We usually take the board that they, yeah, that they feel best with. Mm -hmm. And those experiments, you know, came from. Uh, I'm trying to not make a long-winded answer, but those experiments came with Taylor Knox. That um, you should stay with me, yeah, all the time, and obviously as a quiver of Channel Islands, right. And each year there'd be a quiver that would come through. Some he didn't like, some he really liked. But at the end of the day, he would still leave them. He wouldn't take them home. He had a board ship, so I would have him pick the one he hated the not hated the one he didn't, he didn't like, like as he didn't much, like yeah, as much, and the one he liked the best, and I would convert him. Oh, five fins. Then those are because I, he's. I've seen a lot of. I them. cut off all the fins, uh -huh. all the thrust rings, grind them off, and put on a glass on 
a center fin and the bottom. Forget the bottom, the bottom is, is yeah. what it is. Right. And then you can ride the one that didn't work as well. And see. And go, well, now this is like the best one I've ever had. And then ride one that really worked and go, holy moly. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, you could, you could, yeah. there's a complete, you know, test. Yeah. So we just tell people if they want to really experience a bonzer without trying to be in some niche yeah. of bonzer riding, then do that. If you want to go to a niche bonzer, then you're looking at, at you know, I'm going to say if, you know, depending if you're in shape and you're not, you know, somebody's over six feet yeah. and, and needs a bigger board. But if you're, you know, we always said in our very first article that, that we were featured in, we were asked the question, how long should a surfboard be? Yeah. And we said surfboard should fit, should fit between your arms. Like your wingspan. Out, your wingspan or as as, 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 as long as you are tall. Yeah. Which is a complete Da Vinci type of idea that it, it fits, everything fits within the oh, that back, sense, yeah. back with the golden means yeah. idea. But that's what we said back in 1971. Mm -hmm. So that's what it is now. Okay. And I remember Kelly even saying boards should not be taller than you are. They should fit in your arm. Not because we said it, just because it makes sense. Yeah. It works as a complete system. So the mathematics. So yeah. in that case, I, I tell people, yeah, just get, you can get, uh, I don't say if you want to step outside the box yeah. and go, I want to try a bonzer that would have been a bonzer back in the day. Yeah. Then, you know, an egg, yeah. an egg bonzer yeah. um, is something that, that's a slam dunk. I always say if, if, if I only could get one and there was only one yeah. type in the whole world you could ever get. Mm -hmm. And so that would be then it has to kind of morph into two, but for me, it would be a six-six egg. Uh -huh. You know, kind of a, a speedier egg. Yeah. Uh, five fin. Okay. And and that would work in two foot gravel, and it would work in you know good size. Yeah. Hawaii is a different. Yeah. Animal. Yeah. But uh, or a rush short model. Yeah. Because a rush short model, any traditionally rush short model is anything from six five mm -hmm. to a gun. Yeah, but uh, Russes were, were, were typically six seven diamond tanks. Mm -hmm. So those two boards, and they can be fashioned with trimmer rails and not seven yeah. style. But those templates, mm -hmm. because the egg template is off a Wayne Lynch egg template that dead Genesis like a, goes all the way back to a 1978 Wayne Lynch egg that, that I own. Okay. So we took our templates off that board and. Um, Kind of end the story with with the with you know Wayne always being somebody who who was the one who shaped you know all of my surfing and thinking and Malcolm's as well. You know he's a standard, but yeah, Matt Young would have been his kind of surfing style. But when you know Wayne was not happy about having to get back into the egg business, yeah, but it's something that Joel Tudor really was saying, "Come on, you got to do it, you got to do it." And Joel drug him in, kicking and screaming. To review some eggs, but when I got to know Wayne and we were, he was living, it could have been this house. I mean, he was he right was around here, right around here. And I had an egg that I wrote, and it was was a template 
off his original temple. Uh-huh. Our board gets shaped in France. I said, well, you know, we're holding it. It's a great picture. I mean, P- PT, I actually even took the picture, I think. We're sitting there and he goes, now this egg would work. You're right. Bonja three pin. Yeah. It's just a six out. He goes, now this makes sense. Yeah. So that kind of uh, full circle for us and yeah. for me, for Wayne. And now Wayne has one. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, oh, that's we, awesome. Yeah, yeah, we've made him a bunch of work oh, That's the so years, cool. But he has one. That's and, awesome. Uh, so those, you know, uh, he shaped one for me over here in Buddy, Buddy McRae's place, which is right next door. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it took him two years to shape my, yeah. uh, my, my I'd happen sometimes. Yeah. yeah, no, he's just, Wayne, he's just, yeah. he was, he's just, he'd come every year and he just couldn't quite finish that bonzer because it was stressful. For him. It was like too much. Yeah, it just got, got, got to make it right. <laughs> but... Yeah, so it's just those that those two. No, that's like bonzers, that's a definitely those two pyramid period bonzers are going to give you a ninety eight percent. Yeah, this is how they feel. Yeah, and this is how they felt. Yeah, and from there, you know, if you watch the Wife Five movie of Taylor yeah. Knox on a on a state of the art five pin bonzer, there is no denying there is nothing there that's going to draw back. No, 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 I don't it's think so. just yeah, yeah, it's just incredible. And then if the newer stuff that can come out with some of the kids that they could get on them and they could do their own stuff and all the crazy stuff because the speed's there. Yeah, we'll see. But but we're happy with where it's at. We're happy no, it's, with with the relationship with Al and you know with you know with, with Alex and all those younger kids. Yeah, and, and we get to talk story and and uh, and we feel like maybe we've had we've had some impact. Hopefully we're, we're speaking about surfing in a, in a different in a different language than, than maybe they were brought up on. No, and I think you are, and I think that's the attraction to it. So I think it's it's awesome. Well, thanks for sitting down with us. Well, thanks for having me. It's always fun to chat in the, in the neighborhood. I mean, it's unbelievable <laughs> to. Uh, I'm starting to feel. I'm bored in the car. I think I'm going out. You are. It's been a long time since I surfed out there, and that's. that's What's your favorite place to surf around here? Well, it was always Pipeline because pipe. that's a goofy place. Yeah. But until that ended, um, because of just starting to get sensible, yeah, <laughs> and uh, couldn't be the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't be the kids. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of surfing uh, off the North Shore. A lot of stuff on the other side of the island. The winds are right, are right and the swell's big. Um, you know, Jocko's for a lot of years. Uh huh. I just kind of gravitated back to Jocko's for the left. And Lani Ikea for the left. Yeah, for that left, yeah. Yeah, and then then down farther, um, you know, not not the sense of pipeline thing anymore. Yeah. I did that and over it. I, 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 I survived in that garden was always always yeah. the home. That left has been peeling yeah, out. That left surfed that left. <laughs> just how big and good and crazy yeah. with just you know, Ed Farwell and John Benoram and all these guys that were seventies guys who were living here surfing with those good guys that I grew up watching back in Newport but but it's it's a joy and thanks for having having me and listen to, uh, listen to a little bit of the, the history no no I'm, I'm excited to share this with our listeners and I think they'll be stoked alright man thanks thank you so much to Duncan for sitting down with us I am a huge Bonzer freak and a huge Bonzer fan as you guys know outside of longboarding those are the boards I like to surf and a fish every once in a while and 
hearing him tell the story and what they're about is just, it's amazing. These are the people that change surfing and also create craft that can change your surfing and your perspective on surfing. I describe the feeling of surfing a bonzer as being nothing more than magical without sounding corny. It does its own thing in a very positive and fun way. And thank you to the Campbell brothers for putting that on this planet and under our feet. And what else can I say? But let's get back into the tracks. A little funky, a little weird stuff. Try to figure out what Duncan picked as his tracks and figure out which ones I did. And I'll check in with you guys in a little bit. Peace.
you for the days Those endless days, those sacred days you gave me I'm thinking of the days I won't forget a single day, believe me I bless the light I bless the light that lights on you, believe me And though you're gone You're with me every single day, believe me Days I remember all my life Days when you can't see wrong from right You took my life But then I knew that very soon you'd leave me But it's alright Now I'm not frightened of this world, believe me I wish today would be tomorrow Night is dark, it just brings sorrow, let it wait Thank you for the days Those endless days, those sacred days you gave me I'm thinking of the days single day, believe me, days I remember all my life, days when you can't see wrong from right, you took my life, but then I knew that very soon you'd leave me, but it's alright, now I'm not frightened of this world, believe me.
Podcast Volume 57. Welcome back. Hope you've been digging the talk, the interviews, the tracks, departure from what we normally do, but let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our website, 
for merch, bodegabordercrew.com. Collabs we do with people like True Hands, some new collabs coming up, as well as links to videos. Lastly, make sure to check out the full description on your iTunes player of this episode for track listings, so you know what you're listening to, and links to things that we're talking about. So it's the start of the competitive longboard season, mostly capped off by the Noosa Surf Festival, which happens in Australia. It's a place I've always wanted to go. Haven't had the chance, just been too busy. I think next year might be the year that I pull the trigger. You're starting to see a lot of the boutique if you will, contest events popping up, Mexi Log Fest, Single Fin Mingle, all this stuff. This is the season when they start popping up and invites start going out. And the biggest one of them all is the WSL Longboard Tour, starting with the Noosa event. But instead of me explaining it, why don't I let the commissioner, Devin Howard, in his own words, explain what the first stop is all about. Hey, Alex, what's up, man? What's up, everyone? Bodega Border crew out there. Just checking in. We are about to get underway with the Noosa Longboard Open here in Noosa Heads. Um, sending you this note the night before we start and we're pretty pumped man we got here and no the swell is not as big as we'd hope you always want pumping swell at Noosa to really see this place turn on but what's been really cool to see if you look at some of the posts the last few days from log wrap uh, even the WSL I saw a good one that the wax had put up and there is a bank down the way at access 11 and it's pretty pretty good so we're going to start off the event first day uh we're going to run all day and we're going to start with we're going to start with men's because we've got a lot of surfers we've got a round of 80 it's a lot of a lot of surfers to get through but the cool thing is if you did noosa is you got a chance to be on the world tour and because we don't currently have a qualifying system uh, this is the best way to get involved uh, now that is going to change we are going to start changing some of the regional events to be part of a qualifying system i'll get back to you with more on that but for right now if you're in you're in you're stoked we've seen a lot of new fresh faces we're seeing some big names that are coming back this year uh, you know of course harrison roach one of the standout favorites being from the area and his sponsor thomas surfboards ended up jumping in and sponsoring this event which is pretty huge cool opportunity for him and his crew there at thomas surfboards and they were given some wild cards and their choices for their wild cards were none other than Jai Lee. Uh, any hardcore longboard fans out there know that Jai Lee is probably one of the best of all time at Noosa and maybe one of the you know best nose ride surfers of our time. And then they also gave the other one to Kalia Moniz from Hawaii. And as well, they had two more, Zai Norris and uh, his new wife, uh, Sierra Lairbeck who I guess would probably take on the Norris name. And gosh, what else can I tell you? Man, it's just cool to be starting off this tour once again. Seems like we were just doing it only a few weeks ago in Taiwan, but it's actually been a few months now. 
And so we are underway with the 2020 season, the first event of this year's tour. And we have four days of full-on surfing. We're going to be broadcasting it. So, you know, keep an eye on the WSL on their app. I will, as best I can, I'll give you guys heads up on my Instagram as well. And, man, I just want to thank everyone's support. I've got a lot of really cool DMs from a lot of you out there that have been really stoked on what we've done this year. And we, you know, kind of had a renewed focus, really honing in on beautiful traditional surfing that utilizes the whole board. You know, it's not, it's not just a nose riding contest. We're looking for surfers that utilize the whole board using flow, style, grace. We're looking really closely at the transitions and surfers are going to get rewarded that utilize the whole board our smooth show control and style and keep the board moving keep it engaged uh, not a lot of downtime and you know matching the tempo of the wave and just really showing us some beautiful longboard surfing and so here we go with the second year of this new tour is underway and again thanks everyone for your stoke and for all the notes encouraging us to keep going with us you know we're really excited where we're at we know there's still a long ways to go we want to make this better and better with each event and we hope that you are enjoying the show okay over and out thanks alex and keep up the good work see you guys soon late special thanks to devin howard for taking time out of his busy schedule the night before the event i know how crazy he's been uh, we've been talking a lot over the last couple of weeks and seeing each other and weren't able to sit down and do something just because he's getting this thing together and obviously his other thing that Channel Islands board that he just uh, designed and put out on the market. But I'm really excited about the tour for a couple of reasons. One, they've added a lot more stops. If you go to their website, I think tentatively they have eight stops now listed. Now I've heard through the grapevine that there's a couple of other stops. So I can't say, I, I, I know what they are, but I can't say on the podcast, but I think a lot of people are going to be excited in the next two months to find out what they are. It's great that Thomas Surfboards jumped up as a sponsor, and I think you're going to start seeing a lot more sponsors, which will enable these events to get bigger and better. The field this year is twice as big as it was last year, which is amazing. Now, besides the standouts and the wild cards that Devin mentioned, a couple of people I'd like to mention one, Mr. Joel Tudor, my man, is uh, competing in it. Now, I think he's going to do the tour. I think he got the competition bug back in his uh, heart, chest, whatever you want to say, last year when he did the New York event and wants to give it a go. And the other thing is Joel is surfing lights out. It's amazing to see how him and Devin are surfing. I actually think if him and Devin surf the tour, they'd probably take it, uh, to be quite honest, how those guys are surfing lately. But... I think it's amazing that he's doing it. I think Tasha's doing it as well. On the female side, you have a lot of people coming in, like Roisin is doing it, Summer Richley, who's a really amazing up-and-coming longboarder. Having seen her the last couple of years, it's amazing to see her growth and development, and I think she's going to go far on the tour. But in general, I think one of the things to look at is the fact that they're adding all these different stops gives the ability for people to jump in on the tour. So you don't have to necessarily be located near an event. 
I think the big problem last year was the qualifying was a little weird because you had to go to two events at least to qualify for the finals in Taiwan. And that's a bit difficult if you think about you had New York, you had Spain, and you had Noosa. So you had to go to two of those events and that's really cost prohibitive for people. Now the way the schedule is looking is that you'll have two events in each region so you'll still have to travel but it's not like a 14 hour flight it's nothing like that like you could plan it out a little bit better so excited to watch the tour it's probably on right now make sure to look at the WSL app on your phone or download it or my preferred method of watching it is honestly on my Apple TV it's kind of nice on a big screen and they're gonna be streaming the whole event it's starting on the three it's gonna be streaming I believe 3 p.m. on February 21st uh, Pacific Standard Time so make sure to check it out again competitive longboarding could be a lot of fun make sure to watch it but without further ado I want to get back into some tracks and come back with a couple of short takes so I'll see you guys in a little bit peace
Now here you come, baby With your tail dragging the gravy You know your peers and cues But what you don't know, baby She'll giving me the blues You got juice on your chin A's on the drain board on the wall, dead on the rug. I come home late, and I stumble and swore. You won't even give me a hug. You had my things all laid out, laid out by the door. I'm leaving. I'm gonna take up with a mermaid and leave you blind loving women alone. Leave you blind loving women alone. You had together once Now your head's round the bend I'm telling you, woman You better get it back together again I'm gonna grow fins And go back in the water again If you don't leave me alone I'm gonna take up with a mermaid and leave you blind loving women alone leave you blind loving women alone now here you come baby with your tail dragging the gravy you know your p's and q's what you don't know woman is you're giving me the blues What goes on? I really wanna know what goes on. 
dream of woman How she got a sequence in her hair I like she stepped out of a buffalina film She sat down a white straw chair I've also thought to take a second look Just to see what I could see here My scene had popped out like a bubble dust There was nobody there but me I said, the girl, you drank a lot of drink of me But you ain't in a wonderland You know I might have been there To greet you, child, when your trip And she ever touches sand What goes on? They test the tournament The falcons, they fly above But your queen will drink of a dew tonight But the jester, she cries alone Because Merlin spoke of an instant spell To make the devil's white knights moan And all in all, the seagull said As I look to where I've been The
make a sound They tried to reach me But I lay upon the ground I've seen the people But they didn't make a sound They tried to reach me But I gave the run around I reached for feelings But they didn't make a sound They tried to reach me But I lay upon the ground So Welcome back to the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 57. Hope you've been digging the tracks, the interviews, the talk, all the people that contribute to it. But let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our website, bodegabordercrew.com, for merch, links to things that we're working on. It's always good to check it out every once in a while, not just our Instagram account. Also, make sure to check out the full description on your iTunes player of this episode for track listings and links to things that we're talking about. So without further ado, here are some short takes. The first short take I have has to do with this video called Micro Blackies, which I was there when this was being shot. I was surfing for those couple of days and it was really fun, clean. When the tide was high and we couldn't surf anywhere else down here, it was just perfect. This little video has Troy Elmore, Alex Nost, Grant Noble, and uh, Kyle from Daydream. It's really cool to see how these locals know this spot inside out, but it's also cool to see how they could turn a small wave that a lot of people would be like, eh, I'm not that into surfing it, into something really magical. 
Alex and Grant are the perfect examples of that and really shred this wave up in this video, so make sure to check it out. The second short take I have this episode is a video called Salvador that was done by the people over at Rhythm with our boy Hudson Ritchie. Hudson is an amazing surfer and I don't think there's enough footage of him out there, which is kind of a bummer, but this really highlights how good he is and his style. He has one of the best styles for me because it mixes a lot of post and pre-era longboarding as well as a very Australian style because those are the kind of boards he surfs. I know surfing with him at Porto a bunch of times, like you could really see his speed and his style come together. And this video is just a great watch. The people at Rhythm are producing great content. And I love when companies put money into projects like this, really get behind surfers that are talented and have something to showcase. So check it out. The last short take I have this episode is this video done by Wiley and the crew over at San Onofre Surf Company called Beach Burnout. Now, a lot of people that live in these parts know that we've had some magical days at church in the last two months. I mean, amazing days. Some of the funnest surf I've ever had in my life. And this day was exactly that, was lightning in a bottle. And a lot of people went down. I'm bummed because this is actually a day I went down to, um, sorry, I went up to Blackies instead, but it happens. Sometimes you make the wrong call. But this video features people like Kevin Svarna, Hallie Roar, Michaela Smith, David, uh, one of my favorites, Ian uh, Gatrin, Gatosan, uh, such an amazing ripper, surfs any kind of board, one of the best styles, and one of the nicest guys ever. We had a lot of fun in New York, and I've been talking to him a lot lately, and just one of the best people to see surf these OC breaks. But it's a nine minute long video, and the opposite of what the Blackies video was these are much bigger more consequential waves you know you're talking shoulder head high which shoulder head high church i think is probably my favorite wave to longboard on and these guys and girls just tear it up so make sure to check out the video support companies like san nofri surf co and all the surfers in it but that's it for this episode we're back back with a bang great interview with duncan thank you again Great words of wisdom about the tour coming up from the commish, Devin Howard. Thank you for being the commissioner of competitive longboarding. Even though I shit on competitions all the time, I think at least the way Devin's doing it and being in charge is going in the right direction and something I could get behind. But what's going on with us? Obviously, a lot of things have changed, but Jetty Blue 100s is done. It's in the bank. It's on a hard drive. We're going to start showing it. I think premieres are going to be taking place at, in Noosa, possibly Mexico, California, New York, Outer Banks, and then it's going the film festival route. The plan so far is that we're only going to be showing it at the festivals and these premieres. We're not going to release it online for at least another year. If you want to watch the video on your own, there will be a way to purchase it at the premieres. So you could take it home. When you buy a piece of merch, uh, I think the plan is that you'll get a USB drive that has the video on it and some other outtakes and that kind of stuff and some playlists. So, well, thank you again for coming through. Thank you again for being fans of the podcast, sticking with it. Uh, it's going to get a lot more frequent. Have a couple of great interviews coming up. But let's end this episode with our famous words. No need to bust a craze on a wave. Go out there, have fun, smile, share waves. You know, why not? I mean, it's a good time. And I'll check you guys out next time. Peace.
Okay. 